Good morning and welcome to episode 56 of the Quickie Podcast. Thanks for being here. Today, my guest is Nathan Yoder, illustrator and designer at Yonder Studios in Edmonds, Washington. He talks about how he was kind of a big deal in Tulsa. And we talk about sprint cars and the world of sprint cars and how that inspired him. And it was some of the first design that he started noticing. We talk rural. We talk everyday man. It's kind of the theme of his childhood, actually. He shares all of that with us. One of the most inspiring parts of this episode, though, is when we get into staying true to yourself as a designer. There's so many different spots of inspiration, different areas that you could niche down into, and there's so much creative visually coming at you. Staying true to yourself and what makes you happy is a challenge, and Nathan uh, shares that with us. We also talk about the Miller High Life label that Nathan did some illustrations for and how that was a big point in his career, a really rewarding part of his career for him. I was drawn into Nathan's stories and that caused me to go a little bit over time on this one, but I know you'll forgive me because this episode is dynamite. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get to it. Nathan Yoder. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Good morning, Nathan. How are you today? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing terrific. Thanks for asking. Uh, Are you ready for the Quickie Podcast here? I am, yeah. All right, let's dive in head first. Briefly tell the listeners about yourself. Um, well, I uh, again, my name is Nathan Yoder. I um, actually grew up in Oklahoma, a small town called Pryor. I was I was born in Tulsa, so um, basically, kind of grew up in that general area. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, since then, I've uh, kind of found myself kind of moving to the coast. Um, doing the kind of work that I'm doing now, you know, my first job out of design school was, uh, I was doing mainly kind of logos and, and kind of your typical graphic design stuff at kind of a smaller, um, branding kind of advertising agency in Tulsa. And, uh, maybe we'll kind of jump into it a little more in depth later, but, um, you know, I, in my personal time, I started kind of doing more illustration and lettering work and, that got me a job uh, on the East Coast at a startup in Southern California, and so um, so yeah, that's that's kind of uh, you know again the very very quick <laughs> version of how I got doing what I'm doing now. Uh, I was there in Southern California for a little over a year, and um, then the startup, you know, as things tend to go, kind of fell apart, and and at that point, you know, I had the opportunity to set out on my own, and so um, at that point, I moved up to Portland, Oregon. Was there for a little over a year, um, met my wife while I was there and moved up to Seattle. This is where she's from and mm-hmm. where she grew up. So, um, so yeah, now I, I, uh, I'm still self-employed. I work under my studio name, Yonder Studio, here in Seattle. And, um, yeah, primarily doing illustration and hand lettering. Still do a lot of branding work as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's, that's the very, very... That's the quickie. <laughs> so yeah, the quickie version yeah. of the intro. I love it. Yeah. So you went to California, Portland, 
Seattle, you know, you're not quite at Vancouver. You're almost there. So mm-hmm. if you just keep heading north a little bit, yeah, um, you know, we're up here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, yeah. <laughs> so what do you think called you to the coast? Was it, were you in just in search of the ocean from Oklahoma? Um, I mean, I, I, to be honest, I wasn't, uh, well, it's funny, you know, in, in high school I had a friend and, um, we, we had gone on a trip together to Southern California. His mm-hmm. sister was going to school out there and we, we kind of made our, you know, pact, you know, that, you know, someday we were going to both move to California someday, you know, just some high schooler kind of thing. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and it's just kind of funny because, I mean, n- neither of us were really trying to get out there actively. You know, I think we were both kind of small town guys who were kind of scared to leave home. And in a lot of ways, like, I, I don't know that I would have ever left uh, kind of the area that I grew up in um, mm-hmm. uh, if if this the opportunity to move west, you know, kind of presented itself to me. <laughs> so I'm, I'm really glad it did, you know, because... Um, again, I, I, growing up in a small town, I, I kind of had the mentality of, you know, nobody's looking in rural Oklahoma for good design. And so I didn't really feel there wasn't kind of the urgency to do great work. I just kind of felt like I had to do, um, work that was as good or maybe just slightly better than the guy down the street, you know? And, mm-hmm. um, and so, um, but yeah, at the same time, you know, after, after design school, I was really kind of getting, burnt out. And, um, and so I I was just kind of looking for a way to kind of reignite the creative spark. And growing up, I had always been into, you know, I had always drawn, you know, drawing was kind of my first love. And so um, when I started um, getting back into that and kind of coupling it with design and, you know, everything that I learned in design school, um, that's, and sharing that work online, that's, that's what um, uh, this startup in Southern California, they came across my work and offered me a job. And so again, it was, it was one of those things where I, I don't know, kind of like right place, right time type of deal. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it was around the time that hand lettering was really starting to kind of get a lot of attention online. And, um, so it was kind of the, I don't know, uh, yeah, again, just kind of the perfect storm for, uh, you know, the, the the opportunity to present itself to me. And, and so, yeah, I just kind of, moved west and that's how i got there and you know so the universe uh, just uh came a calling and said hey california's looking good for you sunshine yeah 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 i guess so yeah (laughs) right on so you had briefly touched on it um in your explanation in your sort of your intro um about how you used to draw in your childhood so i want to ask you a bit more about that what was your childhood like and do you feel that you had a creative childhood and did that lead you in this creative career direction yeah, I mean, I, I'd say so. I, it wasn't um, my my mom. She went to college for commercial art, which I guess would be you know commercial illustration or you know graphic design. You know, back then, you know, her her degree plan was commercial art, um, uh, but she never really pursued it. Uh, you know, unfortunately, actually, I think it was like the se- second semester into the program the school that she was going to went bankrupt. (laughs) So, yeah, so that, and then by that point, I think she had met my dad and so life was kind of moving on. And so she just never really followed up on that. And, um, and so, you know, growing up as a kid, uh, she would, I was, my, um, I have, I have three sisters and a brother. We were, we were all homeschooled until the seventh grade. And and so she would kind of draw fun little things, you know, for like kind of the curriculum or things that we were working on. But that was really the extent to which, you know, her 
kind of skill set found its way into what I was doing. She didn't really, um, I don't know, kind of give me lessons or, you know, her, her kind of artistic um, contribution purely just made its way to me in my genes, I guess, you know, <laughs> I, d- I didn't really have much formal training. Um, growing up, there was uh, a correspondence course um, out of, uh, I-, I believe it was Minneapolis, Minnesota. I- it was called the Art Instruction School. Um, and it-, it was all, again, correspondence. So they'd send you kind of a packet and you'd kind of do the lesson and um, do the reading and send it back and then you'd get your grade back in the mail. But um, I can't remember how old I was when I did that, but I honestly, I'm not sure that I, I, uh, learned as much as I could have learned if, if maybe I took that course later, a little bit later in life. I think mm-hmm. I was just too young to really appreciate what they were teaching me. You know, I just wanted to, to jump the, to the end and draw the, the final picture. I didn't want to kind of follow the steps and all that <laughs> stuff. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. I, You're my, my like parents. A- get right to it kind of guy there, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm, uh, you know, unfortunately, I'm kind of like um, reaping the, uh, I don't know what you would call it, like the downside of that now later in my career, I'm kind of, I'm just now actually going back to some of those rudimentary things and trying to kind of reteach myself those things. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Yeah, but um, yeah, anyways, I, I, I would say, you know, my parents encouraged me in, in art and in design. Um, and so in, in the ways that they could, you know, they, uh, I feel like, you know, they gave me a creative childhood, I guess you could say. Um, but yeah, I, I just can't ever remember a time when I wasn't drawing, you know, I think it yeah. was just kind of gradual transition from coloring books to dinosaurs to airplanes to you know <laughs> to sure. logos. the natural transition. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I guess, uh, um, in terms of, you know, how design comes into that kind of mix in my childhood, um, kind of a funny story. So in the eighth grade, or it might've been the seventh grade, um, again, I growing up in a small town, my, my eighth grade class, my seventh grade class, like all, all of us in the school, like the entire eighth grade class fit into one classroom. There were like 15 of us. (laughs) And so it wasn't big by any means. Um, So I had a friend there who, uh, you know, him and his buddy were starting a band, you know, as much as you can have a band in the seventh or eighth grade. Yeah. (laughs) And and so he asked me to design, to draw a t-shirt design for him. And so I did, and he took it to his dad, and uh, his dad owned a, a local screen printing shop and sign shop in our hometown, mm-hmm. and the next day he showed up at PE and asked me if, if I wanted to draw t-shirt designs for his shop. So That's cool. Yeah, it really, I mean, in hindsight, I'm just like, man, that's the kind of stuff that will only ever happen in a small town, you know? <laughs> this <laughs> yes. guy, is, you know, his his artist is an eighth grader, you know, drawing these t-shirt designs for his his customers. So it's just... Customer comes in, hey, can I uh, just quickly chat with your designer? Yeah, hey, Nathan, <laughs> Nathan, come on up here. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, that's but, yeah, cool. He, he gave me kind of my first copy of Photoshop and Illustrator and kind of showed me the ropes in terms of, you know, it's like, you, you know, this, you're drawing, you know, it can't, it can't look like a sketch. You can't have all these messy lines, you know, I need it to look clean and sharp. And so he kind of showed me the ropes in terms of, you know, how to make my, my drawings, um, you know, kind of, uh, uh, you know, 
usable, I guess, you know. Um, so almost and, became your first mentor in a way. Yeah, yeah, I guess you could say that, you know. He, um, he, he was kind of a rough guy, you know, he, he, just kind of a no-nonsense kind of kind of guy, you know. So, right. um, uh, you know, he, it wasn't the type of deal where he'd sit down with me and walk me through things, you know. It was just kind of the, the quick answers and you had to interpolate, you know, from there and... <laughs> So, um, but no, it was, it was good. I mean, I look back on all of that and, uh, I'm, I'm just so grateful, you know, it's like, it, it was nothing that I did again. Mm-hmm. It was almost like California. It just kind of showed up, you know, I just, I yeah. drew, I did something and somebody saw it and they liked it and they came and found me. And, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm grateful that it, I mean, I, I um, again, that was, that was my introduction to design. You know, my parents didn't really, uh, know where to point me, uh, you know, in terms of my art. And so it was just nice that somebody, you know, took notice and pointed me in the right direction, you know? That's cool. We all definitely need those people in our life, uh, you know, our journey through, especially through those like formidable teenage years, so they say. Yeah. So Nathan, I want to ask you about your first time. Now, what I mean by that is your first time you noticed <laughs> design out in the world. Yeah. Um, is there a moment or a specific thing that you remember seeing that really connected the design and illustration dots for you? Um, I, I guess, I think it, you know, I guess it would just go back to that, uh, to that sign shop, you know, the screen printing shop, t-shirt mm-hmm. shop that I was doing designs for. I, my, the same, the same friend of mine, um, who I did the t-shirt design for, uh, and his buddy, you know, who he was starting the band with, <laughs> both of those guys raced mini sprints. Like the, I don't know if, if you're aware of those, they're kind of like the, they look like big oversized go-karts with a massive wing on top. And then there's kind of a wing on the front. I don't know if you've ever seen those. Yeah. Um, and so they, they, they raced the mini versions of those, you know, yeah. they're different kind of size classes and, and sprint racing sprint cars. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so along with that whole lifestyle, you know, it's like they, the t-shirts that kind of go with racing and my dad grew up watching NASCAR. So I'd always watch, you know, racing with him and, uh, you know, all the t-shirts associated with racing were just, you know, really kind of, um, you know, poppy colors and, you know, real graphic kind of, uh, illustrations of, of race cars, you know, just kind of, you know, drifting around the corner and, mm-hmm lots of kind of motion and action and, um, uh, and then, you know, sponsors all over everything. And so they're just constantly like, you know, logos, logos, logos. And, and I think, you know, without realizing it then, and, you know, honestly, even just in talking about this, you know, you kind of start to realize maybe where influences came from. I think that was, you know, kind of my first, you know, initiation into design was kind of the, the t-shirt designs and, and the branding that kind of went along with racing, you know? So, um, yeah, from there, you know, I, um, yeah, just kind of, uh, I remember at one point buying some shoes when, when I was pretty young around that time and they had this, um, it was kind of an off brand, uh, kind of local, well, not local, but, you know, just kind of an, an in-store brand of these kind of skate shoes. And they had a logo on the side that I remember kind of, putting my own spin on and kind of making a logo for myself. And so that was the first time that I'd really, really kind of, uh, you know, gave a crack at, you know, designing a logo. And so, um, so yeah, those, those are kind of a few kind of examples of, of kind of, uh, 
my my initiation into this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that sounded like some of them influenced you, but you just didn't even know it at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, totally. Is there a designer or a brand that you look up to or closely follow, and what about them do you like? Um, that's really hard. Uh, <laughs> as, as strange as it is as it is to say it, just because. Um, I don't know. I, I've honestly been trying to work out why that is even, you know, I, um, there's this part of me that I think probably still comes from growing up in a small town where, uh, you know, I, I always felt a little bit like I was on the outskirts of everything, you know, I was, I was out of town. And so I felt like I was slightly out of, out of touch and, and, you know, any, again, anything that I was doing, I, I felt like people probably didn't care to see just because I was in this small town outside of Tulsa and, and even Tulsa in relation to the grand scheme of things is by no means a big city. And so mm-hmm. even if you were a big designer in Tulsa, you were still a small designer in, <laughs> in, in the world, you know yeah. what I mean? And so, um, so being in a small town, even outside of Tulsa and feeling inferior in relation to Tulsa, you know, it's like just kind of gives you a sense of kind of the environment that I grew up in. And and so I think in some ways I carry a little bit of that with me feeling like I kind of have to just do things on my own. And like, I like, um, and I think there was also this mentality of like there's city folk and then there's country folk and, and, you know, growing up, we never had a, a lot of money. And so I always felt like a little bit on the outskirts in that regard, too. And and so there was always this kind of distance that I kind of kept between, um, uh, you know, again, like city folk and, and us country folk, you know, just because <laughs> yeah, you know, I, rural I, folk. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, like getting too close, you're just kind of afraid of what people might say, or if yeah. they came over to your house and, you know, um, you know, saw your house compared to their house, like, what would they say? And so, mm-hmm. you know, I, I had friends with, you know, people, you know, again, in the city, but, uh, you know, one of my best friends, you know, lived in the city. Um, but there was always this kind of insecurity kind of wrapped up in it. And um, so, again, I, uh, long story short, I think I, I think some of that in some ways works its way into what I do now, where I mean, I live just outside of Seattle and, you know, I, I lived just outside of LA for a little bit and I lived in, in Portland. And, um, so, I mean, I've kind of integrated myself, I guess you could say, and it's not like I have, you know, a prejudice to city people or something, you know, mm-hmm. it's like I am for the most part now, but I think just the way I approach design now, I think, um, there's that part of me that always wants to stay connected and, and gr- uh, attached, um, to the everyday man, you know, and I think in some ways, um, in design, I, I see designers, um, uh, kind of getting, uh, kind of fixating so much within their bubble that they kind of lose touch with the client or the everyday man. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes where, you know, you're kind of talking your own lingo and, um, you know, people can't understand you anymore. And, you know, uh, you know, this guy over here isn't kind of dressing the way, uh, you know, designers dress or doing the things that designers do or talking the way designers do. And so I'm not going to hang out with that person or something. So mm-hmm. I, I think, um, you know, city folk, you know, if, if, if that, if that kind of whole notion could be, um, you know, transposed and kind of applied to my life today, I think sometimes, um, if I'm not careful, I can kind of 
let myself uh, let that uh, affect my kind of view of of my own industry. You know, it's like I'm in it, but at the same time, there are things about it that uh, sometimes feel a little bit too exclusive for me, and and I, so I don't. I kind of try to distance myself from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that in many ways has kept me from really um, making too many um, like idols, I guess you could say, or, yep. or um, role models within my industry. Um, so I'll, I would say, you know, those those designers that I really look up to modern day are tend to be, you know, my my good friends who are designers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, Sam Larson, we were roommates uh, uh, when I lived in Portland He's an illustrator and does uh, a lot of the same kind of stuff that I do. And um, I, I really look up to him in terms of just kind of his uh, his work and just kind of his philosophy towards his work. And, and just, again, as a friend, um, when it comes to uh, um, uh, Jordan Eggstad, he, he's a web designer. We're, we're also good friends, and he does uh, web design and just has such a unique um, view on design and, and perspective on it. Um, mm-hmm. But then when it comes to role models and, and, you know, kind of larger than life kind of figures in the design world, I, I always go back to, to past artists, you know, designers that, you know, either aren't with us anymore or, you know, aren't really, um, I, I guess, you know, your guys kind of like Norman Rockwell or, uh, I really, um, have been, uh, really appreciating some of the, like the pen and ink artists from like the twenties and like the thirties, you know, stuff that people have kind of forgotten about by now and probably wouldn't recognize if I <laughs> mentioned, but sort of like some, some retro stuff that keeps you, you know, feeling grounded as that everyday man rather than getting involved in sort of the, maybe for lack of a better term is sort of the clicky side of high design. Yeah. Well, and that, and I think that is the danger is, um, uh, you know, with with the nature of our work, we're, we're attached to advertising and branding, and mm-hmm. so much of that revolves around um, what is immediately appealing, and that means trends. And so, unfortunately, I, I think if we tie ourselves too much to any one modern-day designer, um, you're kind of at the mercy of, of the trend, you know, and, and, and I've seen a lot of designers kind of get uh, hung out to dry uh, because they've... Um, you know, hinged themselves too much mm-hmm. on a, a particular trend or a particular studio or or um, or a particular artist or agency that uh, is appealing to people right now. And so, as soon as the the trend shifts, you know, they're you know they don't really know what to do or they can't adapt. And so, I think for me, I I really like going back as far as I can without becoming un- <laughs> without losing relevancy. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, really trying to tap into the um, to those aspects of illustration and design that have proved themselves to be timeless, you know, and um, and I think if you can tap into a source like that, obviously trends are going to always be changing. But I think if you're grounded, if the fundamental um, kind of elements of your work are grounded on um, time-tested kind of uh, methods and techniques and kind of philosophies within design. Um, you're going to be much more able to adapt and, and kind of flex with the, with the industry. I think that that's my philosophy anyways. <laughs> for sure. No, that makes sense. No, I appreciate that point of view for sure. Um, I've got a couple of questions now that sort of are designed to share some of your tougher times in your career. 
um, and the lessons that you learned or pulled out of that. Um, But the last couple of questions that I end with, we'll turn it around and we'll end in a happy place, I promise. Yeah. (laughs) So um, what's been the most challenging time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging and how did you get through it? Um, I guess, well, I mean, it's, it's not something that I have to guess about. I would, I would say it's, uh, just around the time I met my wife actually. Um, so again, I, I think this all kind of goes back to kind of growing up in Oklahoma and, and just kind of the dynamic that I described earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, when I finally moved to the West coast, kind of got out of town and, and started, um, kind of, uh, seeing what was going on in the design world, you know, outside of, you know, the area that I grew up in. Um, I, I really felt like I needed to kind of change who I was to adapt to, uh, you know, this new kind of world of design that I was um, entering into. And so again, you know, I felt like if I was going to be myself, that meant being a small town kid from Oklahoma, you know, um, who, who never really, you know, uh, I didn't really come from like a hard situation. You know, my parents loved me, you know, it's like, I, I'm still close with my siblings. Like, um, you know, nothing crazy went on in the the high school that I grew up in. Um, and so I felt like, you know, everybody says be yourself, but for me, it's like, be yourself. Like, you know, what is that gonna, what, what contribution is that going to make to, um, to my work? Because, you know, everything that's being kind of praised in design, um, really ultimately goes back to this, uh, sort of, um, kind of like edgy, you know, kind of rebellious kind of like skater, like punk rock kind of rock star kind of lifestyle, you know, it's mm-hmm. like that, that's kind of the thing that, uh, you know, people are attracted to. It's like, everybody wants to be successful and, and, uh, to be perceived as more important maybe than they actually are, you know? And so I think, for me, I, I felt like I really needed to adapt that kind of persona if my work was going to stand out. And mm-hmm. so I, you know, I found myself really kind of changing who I was, uh, moving away from home. And when I met my wife, um, she just kind of being around her, you know, I, I was just getting to know her at the time, but, uh, being around her was like being around somebody in my family. And, um, and, you know, for me growing up, anytime I was being dishonest with myself, all I had to do is just walk into a room with, you know, one of my sisters or my parents and just being in their presence, you know, would just, they wouldn't even have to say anything, you know, Gra- it almost like ground me you again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and this was happening here with, you know, this woman that I was meeting and, and talking to, you know, uh, she was kind of calling me out in the same ways without realizing it, just, just her manner of living. And, um, and so it was hard because by that time I had I had really built an entire portfolio around a particular kind of lifestyle and mm-hmm. kind of aesthetic and um, and and then I was just kind of reminded that that's not who I was and and it was really frustrating at the time as well um, not so much realizing it as uh, being kind of frustrated not being able to create from my own experiences I think as an artist, you're, um, you're dependent on your own experiences to create honest work. And so if you're trying to be somebody else, you're depending on the experiences of somebody else. And mm. you're never going to be able to be as honest as that person that you're trying to copy. Yep. Like, it, it, and so your work is always going to look like a copy, you know? And, 
And that's kind of the situation I had found myself in at the time. I was really frustrated because nothing that I was creating really felt like it was coming naturally to me. I always felt like I was like kind of pushing too hard. You know, it, it shouldn't be this hard, this whole type of um, idea. And so, um, so I, once I kind of realized that I, it, it was, it was, it was really hard because I, I knew that I had to, I could either just ignore it and keep kind of working and living the way that I was living, or I could, you know, tell myself that I was going to change things and, uh, you know, just, you know, kind of work from a more honest place. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, you know, what I decided to do. And, and so I kind of shift the subject matter and my personal work and really ultimately my personal work is what attracts my commercial work. And so that had a real big impact on, uh, you know, work that was coming in. Like I, I lost a lot of work. Uh, you know, I wasn't getting as much work as, um, as I had in the past. And, and that lasted for a little over a year. It was a pretty slow year and a half or two. Um, and, and it was also hard just because I was then having to kind of go back and try to remind myself who I was, you know. So mm-hmm. there was this kind of yeah. year of like soul searching and trying new things on and um, in terms of styles and kind of, again, subject matter. And uh, so, yeah, it was it's it's funny. It was almost like the awkward kind of high school years all over again, just like in my in my work where you're sort of like having to find yourself and stay true to your style and almost learn to call yourself out um and just really surround yourself with the the caring most honest people in your life that will you know help you stay grounded and right you know call you out when you seem to be floating away a little bit outside of um you know your lane where you where you can sing where it makes you happy right right got it yeah and that's the thing and and so I don't know. I again, I, that's one of those things that kind of bothers me sometimes about our mm-hmm. industries. That you know, everybody's always talking about, like, you know, be yourself, be yourself. But when it really comes down to it, you know, what I what I kind of perceive in that is be yourself so long as it's cool, you know. And if it's not cool, you know, people are going to be happy that you're being yourself, but we're not going to really, you know, you're not for us. <laughs> and so I think <laughs> I think that's the thing that's kind of frustrating, and I always try to encourage other designers you know it's like no like honestly be yourself you know it's like Mm -hmm. um uh it it might be weird and and it might be uh you know as designers it's not all about us we have to realize that we're ultimately providing a service to a client and it um so you know you can't get too fixated on yourself but if you're doing something like illustration uh a client is hiring you for the the particular kind of uh, personality that's coming through in your yeah. illustration, the personality uh, and, and the style that you showcased. Right. Yeah. So, so it, it is essential that you are able to be as true to yourself as possible in that mm-hmm. regard with, with more of your, um, standard kind of graphic design stuff, you know, the personality of the artist doesn't really come into play as much there. So, yeah. um, it's not as big of an issue, but, um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. I can totally see how the illustration and hand lettering world almost is, you know, on the fridge of fringe of both um, graphic design and fine art. So you kind of get a little bit of both worlds in there. Um, yeah, so I can totally see that one. Yeah. Um, I wanted to just sort of turn over now and go to and, and, and go to a story and a project that you've been a part of that you're the most proud of, the one that just makes your heart sing, or the biggest, um, you know, design or illustration feather in your cap. Um, 
I feel like, you know, just kind of spinning off of what I was just describing, I, in some ways, I feel like I'm still kind of looking for that project, uh, mm-hmm. just because, um, you know, when I, when I graduated design school, the, the kind of, uh, the goal for me, you know, the kind of, um, the main objective was to go work with some big brand or some big company or something. And, um, so I guess in some ways you could say, I, I did some illustrations, uh, that went on the labels for, uh, Miller High Life back in 2015. Oh, that's and cool. yeah, it was, it was really cool. And, and I, I got to work with Leo Burnett on that, which, uh, you know, is an agency in Chicago. And, um, and so that was in many ways, you know, uh, you know, just kind of a dream come true as a designer to, you know, work on this, you know, kind of big national brand with a, with a big kind of nationally, you know, globally renowned agency. Um, but at the same time, it's one of those things where, you know, working on that project, I just realized, you know, this is, this is just another client, you know, they're, they're coming to me needing a job done and, just feels uh, the same. yeah, yeah, it's just kind of the same. And, and so I think for me now I'm, my, my kind of, I'm starting to shift to more, less about like, you know, working with big kind of big brands and more about what is the work actually doing, you know, cause ultimately, you know, again, it's, it's cool. And, and it was such an honor that, you know, uh, Leo Burnett and, and, you know, Miller High Life worked with me on, on those cans, but ultimately, you know, that artwork was just selling, you know, an alcoholic liquid, you know, <laughs> I don't know. It's like, there's not a lot of, uh, um, I don't know, intrinsic kind of like meaning attached to that. You know, it's like, so I think, and it might be because I'm just, might be a part of just getting older, but um, I'm more and more, I'm, I'm looking for ways that I can contribute to something more meaningful with my work, you know, mm-hmm. so less about the work, maybe looking cool or kind of contributing to some big brand and maybe more about uh, the work contributing to something meaningful, you know, is it, is it oh, uh, yeah. is it helping kids or is it you know kind of helping to provide some need to people who you know otherwise are being kind of overlooked or you know so yeah, I'm still so, yeah work with that. meaning that's yeah really well said even just that yeah um so I want to ask you a question now about what is one design product tool website or community that you just can't live without um I mean I you know I. I'd be lying if I, you know, said that, well, without, without Instagram, I, I, I'm not sure. I I mean, I, I wouldn't be kind of doing what I'm doing today. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. that, that was the platform that made it possible for, um, you know, the startup in Southern California to find my work and, and basically for, you know, every other kind of client that I've worked with, um, since, you know, so many people point back to my Instagram for, you know, uh, first finding me or seeing my work there. And mm-hmm. so, um, uh, it's kind of a blessing and a curse, you know, cause I, I really, uh, don't want to be too dependent on one platform, you know, cause I mean, that's, that's being run by a company and investors with their own kind of motives and, you know, they can do whatever mm-hmm. they want with their own company. And so, you know, I don't want to be too much at the mercy of that. So I've been trying to kind of diversify and, Dribble, I, I I use I've used Dribble, uh, you know, basically since I started um, doing what I'm doing now, and so um, I get a lot of work from them. And so, you know, I'll yeah. say this as far as diversifying on platforms. Um, 
I'm not a graphic designer. I'm more on um, sort of the business side of things. I've always been on the business side of things and just love working with designers and illustrators and creative directors and love hearing their stories. And so this podcast is my big, is my sort of favorite medium to connect with them and build a community with them. Um, But where I was going with that is, I've noticed that on the graphic design side, you know, it's there's Dribble, there's Instagram, a little bit of Pinterest, um, and then Behance. Those are like, you know, your designers. This is where the right. designers are. Very few designers and illustrators are really flexing their muscles on LinkedIn. Mm. And I think it's a missed opportunity because there's a lot of people on LinkedIn, business people who are the ones who are going to be paying you for your beautiful work. Right. And there's not enough designers and illustrators on there showcasing their work through that platform and, um, you know, creating articles and becoming a publisher on that platform, which even further builds your audience. So yeah, just a quick little shout out there for, to you and, you know, all the other designer and illustrator listeners, like don't miss out on LinkedIn. It's not just a job opportunity tool, like to get you a job at an agency. It's a huge networking opportunity to people who will pay you for your work. Yeah, no, that's good. And, you know, honestly, uh, you know, when I was working with Scott, he, he was telling me the same thing. So, you know, yeah. that's, that's the second person, if not the third Ooh, person that's told me that. Go, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nathan, this is the ask it forward part of the show where you get an opportunity to ask a question of the next guest. Now, while you're thinking of that question, I have a question for you from my previous yeah. guest. Um, my previous guest was Matt Warburton. He is a design manager at a university in British Columbia here. He also has his own freelance design business and has for, gosh, like 15 years or, or more. So very successful designer and design director. And he is also a big advocate for professional associations supporting um, trades. So design being your trade. Um, are you involved with a design related professional association is the first part of that question. Um, I am not. No. So then the second part of the question is if you aren't, why not? What would it take for you to get involved? What benefits would you like to see from joining? Mm. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I think honestly the, probably the closest, I guess, to I've, I've been to that was when I lived in Portland. Um, there was a kind of a, um, kind of a grassroots kind of lettering club that, you know, I would meet up with. And mm-hmm. the thing I just appreciated so much about that was just, you know, like minds coming together and, and, um, just kind of the, the friendships that came from that. And, mm-hmm. um, and so, yeah, I, I think that would probably be the one thing that I would, uh, kind of be looking for if I was, um, you know, kind of joining something like that is, um, uh, yeah, just kind of meeting, meeting people, uh, and kind of just sharing, uh, experiences. You know, I've, my buddy, Sam Larson, again, you know, we, we talk on the phone like almost, uh, every week and, and just kind of sharing, you know, kind of, you know, uh, you know, kind of struggles. The, <laughs> it's like kind mm-hmm. of, client grievances, things like that, you know, where you can kind of talk uh, each other down on certain things, you know, don't send that email. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll uh, hold off. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's it's just really important to have a, a strong community of, of designers that you're kind of plugged into. And so, yeah, I think, I think that would be kind of the main thing I'd be looking for, you know, if I was a, a, a part of a 
some sort of an association. Yeah. Well, then I would definitely encourage you to find one in your local area. Um, I know up here in Canada, they've got the GDC, they've got an RGD, um, and I think it's AIGA is sort of the, the right. worldwide version, and there may be a local chapter um, in your area. So, uh, yeah, I encourage you to check it out. Yeah, no, thanks. I uh, was also uh, a couple weeks ago, I spoke at a AAF um, uh, chapter in, in Buffalo, um, New York, and uh, I was kind of reminded of the same thing because, I mean, I, I'm, they've got a chapter here in Seattle. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I was just kind of asking myself the same question. You know, there why you go, brother. So, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So, Nathan, what is the question that you would like me to ask the next guest? Um. Let me see. I mean, I've I've been giving a lot of thought uh, lately to let's see if a question comes out of this. Um, a, a lot of thought lately to you know a, a lot of what I do kind of revolves around um, you know traditional methods and techniques, mm-hmm. and obviously within the illustration world, so much is is migrating more and more just by necessity and and otherwise uh, to working directly from a tablet from sketch to final. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I personally, you know, it's, it's a personal preference, but I think it's also, um, more than that. I, I enjoy working on papers as long as possible before moving it to the digital. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there's something there more than just, again, personal preference that, uh, that as an illustrator, you're able to, um, retain and pass on to a client that, is just hard to capture when working digitally. And, yeah. and so I, I see our, our industry just kind of, um, again, a lot of it is just necessity and just the nature of things, but just kind of, uh, unquestioningly moving everything to the digital space. And, um, I, I can't help thinking that we're losing something there. Uh, so, um, I've been trying to figure out, you know, what to do with that. You know, I think to some extent, traditional methods are always going to be uh, looked for by clients, you know, as trends rise and fall and just some clients and their products uh, just lend themselves more to traditional methods and techniques. But um, um, but I think even just uh, the value that comes through our work, I think the easier our work is to create the less value is and perceived value is going to be um, applied to our work. And, uh, you know, something I've been seeing a lot online is, is artists and designers um, kind of uh, more or less kind of complaining that they aren't getting paid a fair wage and that uh, prices um, uh, for illustration aren't rising or they're maybe even falling and in some ways, you know, I, I can relate, I can kind of, um, uh, I can relate with that. Obviously I'm, I'm, I'm here, I'm an illustrator designer in the industry, but at the same time, I'm kind of asking the question, like, why wouldn't they reduce if, if our work is easier to make today than it's ever been before, why wouldn't the price on our work come down? <laughs> I think, you know, from the outside looking in, I think some people might look at a digital illustration and say, well, why should I pay more for that than I should pay for an illustration that Norman Rockwell did, you know, an oil painting that was published in a, in a magazine. And so now today's magazines have a digital illustration published in, in a magazine of the same size. And, you know, the artists are asking to be paid more for that. So I, I'm not sure how to kind of bend that into a question, but I maybe just, uh, you know, reading, 
what you're saying or what I'm hearing is almost the question of is sort of a, a part one, part two, part one being, um, do you still use a pencil and paper for your sketching and your concepts? And, and mm-hmm. where, do you start with pencil and paper? Um, if the answer is, well, depending on the answer, then you could ask the question, do you feel there is extra value in that mm-hmm. as opposed to going straight into digital? Right. No, I think I think that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, because again, I, I I'm still working it out on my end. You know, I mm-hmm. uh, so it would be I, I I don't hear many people talking about it. You know, again, I, I see a lot of designers just migrating their process onto an iPad or something, uh, but I don't hear a lot of uh, you know kind of theory or philosophy you know surrounding that move. And so it'd be curious to hear more designers um, kind of. Uh, think about that talk about it yeah nathan that's awesome this has been great thank you so much for being on the quickie podcast today that's all the questions i got for you well thanks for having me it's been great all right thank you so much for listening to today's episode i really appreciate your time the lessons here be true to yourself find what makes your heart sing follow that path Thanks for tuning in today. I really appreciate it. If you have a minute and you love what you're hearing on the Quickie Podcast, please head over to iTunes and leave a review and a rating for the show. I would really appreciate it. Thanks. Have an awesome day and we'll see you tomorrow.